Sri Sai Sacharitra, The Wonderful Life and Teachings of Shirdi Sai Baba, A Modern Rendering. Chapter 47 Baba Reminisces Blessed is the face of Sai. If we cast a glance at him for a moment, he destroys the sorrows of many past births and bestows great bliss on us. If he looks at us with his grace, the bondage of our karma is immediately snapped away and we are led to happiness. The river Ganges washes away the dirt and sins of all people who go to her for a bath but she longs intently for the saints to come to her and bless her with their feet and remove all the dirt accumulated in her. She knows that only the holy feet of the saints can purify this accumulation. Sai is the crest jewel of saints. And now hear from him the following purifying story. Baba tells the story of the snake and the frog. One morning, after taking my breakfast, I strolled along until I came to a small river bank. As I was tired, I rested there, washed my hands and feet, and had a bath and felt refreshed. There was a footpath and a cart track sheltered by shady trees. The breeze was blowing gently. As I was preparing to smoke my chillum, I heard the croaking of a frog. I was striking the flint and lighting the fire when a traveler turned up and sat by my side, bowed to me, and politely invited me to his house for meals and rest. He lit up the pipe and handed it over to me. The croaking was heard again, and he wanted to know what it was. I told him that the frog was in trouble, and it was tasting the bitter fruit of its karma. We have to reap now the fruit of what we have sown in our past life, and there is no use in crying about it. Then he smoked and handed the pipe over to me and said that he would go and see for himself. I told him that the frog was caught by a big snake and was crying. Both were very wicked in their past life, and were now reaping the fruit of their actions in these bodies. He went and found a huge black serpent and was holding a big frog in its mouth. He returned to me and said that in about ten minutes the frog would be eaten up by the snake. I said, No, this can't be. I am its father, its protector, and I'm here now. How can I allow the snake to eat it up? 
Am I here for nothing? See how I release it. After smoking again, we walked to that place. He was afraid and asked me not to proceed further as a snake might attack us. Not minding him, I went ahead and addressed the creatures this way. Oh, weird Bhadra, has not your enemy Chanbasa repented yet? Though he has been born as a frog, and though you have been born as a serpent, still you maintain bitter enmity against him? Fie upon you, you should be ashamed. Give up your hatred now, and rest in peace. Hearing these words, the snake left the frog quickly and dived into the river and disappeared. The frog also jumped up and hid in the bushes. The traveler was much surprised. He said he could not understand how the snake dropped the frog and disappeared by the words uttered, or who Virabhadra was, and who Chanbasa was, and what the cause of the enmity was. I returned with him to the foot of the tree, and after sharing a few puffs of smoke with him, explained the whole mystery to him. There was an ancient holy place, sanctified by the temple of Mahadev, about four or five miles from my place. As the temple was old and dilapidated, the residents collected funds for its repairs. After a large amount was collected, arrangements were made for worship and plans with estimates for repairs were prepared. A local rich man was appointed treasurer and the entire work was entrusted to him. He was to keep regular accounts and be honest in all his dealings. But he was a first-class miser and spent very little for the repairs, which consequently allowed for very little progress. He then spent all the funds, took some himself, and spent nothing from his pocket. He had a sweet tongue and was very clever in offering plausible explanations regarding the poor and tardy progress of the work. The people went to him and said that unless he spent his helping hand and tried his best, the work would not be complete. They requested him to work out the plan, then collected donations again and sent the amount to him. He received them, but was quiet as before, without making any progress. After some days, Mahadev appeared in his wife's dream and said to her, You get up and build the dome of the temple. I will give you a hundredfold of what you spend. She told this vision to her husband. As he was afraid that this would involve some expense for him, he laughed it off, saying that it was just a dream, not a thing to be relied and acted upon. Or else, why didn't God appear to him and tell him? Was he far off from her? This looked like a bad dream with an aim to create ill feeling between the husband and wife. 
so she had to remain quiet. God does not like big donations collected against the wishes of the donors, but he likes even small amounts when given with love, devotion, and appreciation. Some days after, God appeared in her dream and said, Do not bother yourself about your husband and the donations kept by him. Don't press him to spend any amount for the temple. What I want is feeling and devotion. So give anything of your own if you like. She consulted her husband about this vision and decided to give God the ornaments that had been given to her by her father. The miser felt very disconcerted and decided to cheat even God in this. He undervalued the ornaments at a thousand rupees. Then he bought them himself, and instead of giving that amount, gave a field to God as a donation. The wife agreed to this. The field was not actually his. It belonged to a poor woman named Dubaki, who had mortgaged it to him for 200 rupees. She had not been able to redeem it for a long time. So the cunning miser cheated everyone, his wife, Dubaki, and even God. The land was barren, uncultivated, and worth nothing, and yielded nothing, even in the best seasons. The transaction ended, and the land was given in possession to the poor priest, who was pleased with the donation. Some time later, strange things happened. There was a terrific storm and a heavy downpour of rain. Lightning struck the house of the miser, and both he and his wife were killed. Dubaki also breathed her last. In the next life, the rich miser was born into a Brahmin family and was named Virabhadra. His devout wife was born as a daughter of the priest of the temple and was named Gauri. Dubaki was born as a man into the family of the attendant of the temple and was named Chinbasapa. The priest was a friend of mine who came to see me often, chatting and smoking with me. His daughter Gauri was very devoted to me. She was growing fast and her father was seeking a good husband for her. I told him not to worry, as the bridegroom himself would come seeking for her. Then there came a poor boy of their caste named Birbhadra wandering and begging for bread at the priest's house. With my consent, Gauri was given in marriage to him. At first, he was also devoted to me, as I had recommended his marriage with Gauri. But even in his new life, he was hankering after money and asked me to help him get it, as he was now leading a married man's life. Strange things happened. There was a sudden rise in prices. 
by Gowrie's good luck, there was a great demand for land, and the land that had been donated was sold for one lakh rupees. Half the amount was paid in cash, and the remaining was to be paid in 25 installments of 2,000 rupees each. All agreed to this transaction, but then began to quarrel over the money. They came to consult me. I told them that the property belonged to God. It was entrusted to the priest and Gauri, who was his sole heiress and proprietress, and no amount should be spent without her consent, and her husband had no right whatsoever to the amount. Hearing my opinion, Virabhadra was angry with me and said that I wanted to establish Gauri's claim and embezzle her property. Hearing his words, I remembered God and kept quiet. Virabhadra scolded his wife, and she came to me at noon and requested me not to listen to the words of others and not to discard her as she was my daughter. As she had sought my protection, I gave her a pledge that I would cross seven seas to help her. Then that night, Gauri had a vision. Mahadev appeared in her dream and said, All the money is yours. Do not give anything to anyone. Spend some amount for temple purposes in consultation with Chen Basapa, and if you want to use it for some other purpose, consult Baba in the masjid. Gary told me about the vision, and I gave her proper advice in the matter. I told her to take the principal amount for herself, give half the amount of interest to Chen Basapa, and that Virabhadra had nothing to do in the matter. While I was talking, both Virabhadra and Chen Basapa came quarreling. I tried my best to appease them and told them God's vision to Gauri. Virabhadra got wild and angry and threatened to kill Chen Basapa and cut him to pieces. Jinbasapa was timid and caught my feet and sought my refuge. I pledged myself to save him from the wrath of his foe. After some time, Virabhadra died and was born as a snake, and Chinbasapa died and was born as a frog. Hearing the croaking of Chinbasapa and remembering my pledge, I came here, saved him, and kept my word. God runs to his devotees for help in times of danger. He saved the frog by sending me here. All this is God's leela. The Moral The moral of the story is that one has to reap what one sows. But there is no escape unless one suffers and squares up one's old debts and dealings with others. And that greed for money drags the greedy man to the lowest level.
and ultimately brings destruction on him and others. Pranams to Sri Sai. Peace be to all. You've been listening to a modern rendering of Hamad Pant's The Sri Sai Satcharitra, The Wonderful Life and Teachings of Shirdi Sai Baba, edited and narrated by Monica Penaconda. For more content like this online, please go to divinelineage.org, saifamily.org, and peacefires.org. To learn more about Monica, please go to monicapinaconda.org.